That was good. Thank you, Marie. I want to just welcome all of those who are listening to us by radio. I don't often think about doing that, but people write me all the time and tell me what a blessing the service is by radio, people who are not able to be with us. So would you like to welcome them too? Just say good morning to all those listening by radio. Great. Wherever you are hearing us, we welcome you. We would like to invite those listening by radio to come and partake of the communion with us between 4 and 7 o'clock today. Whatever hour would be most convenient, come and join us. Give us the opportunity to meet you. We are departing today from our series from the Gospel of John because of the special emphasis of the Lord's table. Next Sunday we will return to the Gospel of John in that series. We move today to the epistle of 1 John for our scripture reading, which we have already shared together. The wonderful passage that speaks so eloquently of God's love, and that if we sin, we have an advocate with God, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have titled our message today, The Table is Spread. We have an advocate. Have you ever studied that word advocate in 1 John 2, verse 1? It would be translated this way. We have an attorney. We have a lawyer. We have a go-between. We have a person who pleads or argues for us. Someone who stands before the judge or the court of law, as it were, to plead our case. Now, I don't know about you, but I need that. And I'm grateful that I have such an one in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that when a trial is called, the first thing is to have the indictment read. It is an indictment against the Christian man, and there are ten counts to the indictment. They are, of course, the Ten Commandments. All of us have broken them. Jesus said, if you have broken one, you have broken all. They are in one total piece, as it were, according to the Scripture. Ten Commandments embodied together. If you break one, you've broken them, and you're guilty of all. The soul that sinneth, the writer to the Hebrews says, shall die. We forget that from time to time, believing that we can get by with our sinful habits and our sinful ways. But the person that sins will die. The third chapter of 1 John presents an interesting verse in the ninth verse of that chapter. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Some have read that and have not bothered to find the real meaning of that verse, and may I give it to you quickly. 
It simply means that he that is born of God does not practice sin. He does not make sin his habit. He is not an habitual sinner. There are times when he fails the Lord and he sins, but that's what the ninth verse of the first chapter is about. If we confess our sins, plural, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The question as we spread the table of the Lord today and heed the call of Christ to come and partake is this question, are you guilty or not guilty? Do not put in a negative plea too quickly. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Do not be too hasty in pronouncing yourself not guilty. That's what the table is about. That's why the Lord Jesus set the ordinance in the church as a continual reminder that we need to come back to Calvary, that we need to come back to the cross to be pronounced not guilty. Thank God we came once and were forgiven of all of our past. It's been placed under the blood, but that did not make us perfect creatures. There is the necessity to come often to that cross to come often to that hill called Calvary, to come often to the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sin of the whole world and renew our vows. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. I make a new commitment today to you, and I walk away from this table whole, whole in body, whole in spirit, whole in mine, because I confess that everything you did for me on that cross and through your suffering, I now appropriate at the table which is spread for me right now. That's why he gave us this ordinance. We need to come time and time and time again. Now let me walk you through the trial. The charge, first of all, the breaking of a solemn contract. Many a time did we promise to be the Lord's. Many a time did we sing, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Many a time we got down on our knees and said, Lord, I am thine. Take all of me. Did you keep the promise fully? Did you follow that totally? I believe all of us would have to say, no, I have broken the contract. I have severed the vow. I have failed. Go back to your time of baptism, for example. Do you remember how determined you were? You remember the courage it took to go into those waters in the first place and 
By doing so, you were saying, I'm going to follow the Lord. Nobody will deter me. You recall perhaps how the vision of the cross rose before you? How you went forth from those waters with your face shining, the air filled with the love of Jesus, the leaves and the grass and the birds were brighter and sweeter than you'd ever known before. Haven't we all said, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee, like Peter, and have turned around and failed him within hours? We have faltered. We have been proud, and he had to humble us. We played the coward when we should have been the hero. We failed him when we should have been true. There is the indictment. We have broken the contract. Who of us is innocent? Who of us could escape the indictment that is being made in this courtroom today? But I'm here to tell you the table is spread. The Lord Jesus has invited us to come again to his table to renew the contract to renew the vow, to say again, Lord Jesus, I want to go all the way with you. I want to serve you with all of my heart. That's why we spread the table. Hallelujah. Down south, where they make illicit alcohol, a fellow was arrested for doing so, and brought before the judge. And the judge said, what is your name? He said, my name is Joshua. He said, well, are you the Joshua that made the sun stand still? He said, no, sir. I was the Joshua that made the moon shine. Sometimes we can have the Bible name. And people may associate us with the God who surrounds that name. But the contract was broken. The relationship was marred. And there needs to be a hearing of the case. The charge we have broken the contract. I came across kind of a cute little story this week of a minister who was coming down the street and he saw a group of boys that were gathered together there near the sidewalk. And he came to them and said, what are you doing, fellas? And they said, we're telling lies. He said, telling lies? They said, yes, and in the midst of them was a little stray dog. And one of the boys explained that the one who tells the best lie is going to get this dog. He's the one who can take him home. Well, that minister kind of straightened up and he said, do you know that when I was a boy, I never told a lie? And the faces of those fellas kind of fell. And the minister said, what's wrong? 
And one of them looked up and said, I guess the dog is yours. <laughs> Good insight from those little fellas. The indictment, we all understand. We have broken the contract. It was a solemn thing. We meant it from our hearts. But we went out and failed the Lord, and now the table is spread. I can come back and renew my vow with him. And there is nobody under this earth or above this earth or on this earth that can point their finger and say, surely you're going to die because the table has been spread for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The second step, the charge with many of us is that we have been a friend of the world. The world testifies he talks about putting his treasure in heaven, but he's the sharpest person in a trade I ever knew. The world has a unique way of expressing our failures many times. He talks about Christ little and about himself much. He talks about his church little, but about the bargains he drives a great deal. The charge for many is you have come too close to the world, so much so that it's difficult to tell the difference. The Bible says lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, one of the signs of the end time. We see it around us daily. It's a charge. What can we say? The world has taken its toll. They say this, but they live this. What a charge it is. What a time it is to escape the trap that the enemy puts before us. Friends, hear me this morning. Sin is still sin. Rebellion is still rebellion. Breaking the commandments are still breaking the commandments. And the judgment is the same. We can't write a new chapter in the Bible to fit ourselves. It seems that some are trying to do that today. I can live with this person even though we're not married. And if God is against it, I know God will forgive me. Therefore, it doesn't really matter. Friends, it does matter. It matters to God a great deal, and we do not get by with it. The penalty of sin is always paid. The wages of sin are always delved out. Hear me today. I want to say it to you, and hopefully it'll get into your heart. We're playing around with sin and the way of the world is having its toll taken in our lives and in our homes. And I think many times in the businesses and in the office places that we occupy during the week, God is calling his church to a holy life. 
Be ye holy, saith God, for I am holy. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I am so tired of hearing people trying to explain to me what they feel God is like. That God is some super a glow kind of person who overlooks our sins and our mistakes and our failures, and he's so loving that he'll set up a whole new standard just for me. God understands me. God forgives me. Well, I believe God forgives us, but if we sin against light, friends, that's a whole different ball game than the person who does not sin against light. If you have light and you have this Bible and you have the opportunity to read it and you have the opportunity to follow it, there is no new revelation necessary. There is no new standard that you need to look for. There's no new book you need to read, no new tape that you need to listen to. You need to follow what this book says and this book alone. And unless you come God's way and by God's standard, the indictment is read too close to the world. He's a friend of the world, and whoever is a friend of the world is not a friend of God. I want you to hear that today. You cannot live a double standard and get by with it. And somebody in this city needs to preach that and preach that loud and clear. You cannot get by with it. Sin is sin. Unrighteousness is unrighteousness. It is what nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. And your disobedience nails him there afresh every time. But the table today will be spread. You can come back and you can say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent of my sin. And don't call it a mistake. Don't call it a failure. Call it what it is. It's a sin. And it's what crucified Jesus Christ. And he wants you holy. And he wants you pure. And he wants you to come to the table and partake of the bread and drink of the cup and be forgiven and go from here never to do it again. Repentance is turning away from the sin. It's not coming just to be forgiven. Sure, you can be forgiven, but what are you going to do after you're forgiven? Are you going to go right back and do it again? Why then come in the first place if in your mind and your heart you're going to go right back and nail him back to that cross? Come to the table. By all means, come. Nobody's worthy to come. But when you come, come with the thought in your mind and the resolve in your heart that I'm going to walk away from here not to do what I did before. I'm going to serve Jesus the way I'm supposed to serve him, not in a compromised way, not according to the world's way. I'm going to serve him according to the commandments that he set forth. The table is spread. What are you going to do with it? Altogether too much playing around. Altogether too much lightness about this matter that he speaks so eloquently about. He that's a friend of the world cannot be a friend of God. You can't cheat with a pencil. You can't cheat with your companion. You can't cheat in the things of life that God has set forth so clearly 
and get by. I call you, church, to a holy life. The table is spread today for a whole new beginning, a whole new start. When you come to the table this afternoon, determine when you walk away that you're going to do it God's way so you can receive God's blessing. My heart has been broken this week again and again, trying to deal with people who say, but pastor, but pastor, but pastor. There is no but. It's either or. You're either in or you're out. You're either doing it his way or you're not. I had somebody try to convince me this week that I didn't love them because I was trying to be firm with them. I said, wait a minute, you're misinterpreting what I believe the Bible says as a lack of love. Just because I'm firm with you doesn't mean I don't love you. When I had children at home, I was firm with them. I had to be. And sometimes my voice got just about like it is right now, and my finger got just about in the same position it's in right now. But it was because I loved them that I did that, because I didn't want them to be lost. But you see, they have their own standard, have their own method. He that's a friend of the world is not a friend of God. And I just will not budge on that. I'm calling you, church, to holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Give your life wholly, fully to him. He's able to take anything out of your life that offends Anything that breaks the law, he's able to take care of it if you'll just humble yourself and determine when you leave the table that you're going to leave all the sin there and not go back in it. 
Who returns to the puddle, the mud, the pig dust? Who goes back to the vomit? The dog does. And we who come to the table but don't determine to leave our sins there and go out and serve him the way we should are like the dog who goes back to his vomit and the pig who goes back to the mire. All we have done is take the communion over top of our dirt and our sin and we go away the same. But when we come with a determination to live for him, follow him, we go away changed, healed, strengthened. The communion lifts us. There's the charge, friend of the world. What about the witnesses? You have to have witnesses. Well, there are three I can think of. One is your conscience. The conscience says, I have lived with you. I know you. I've instructed you. I've warned you. I have showed you the difference between right and wrong. The conscience says to us, you've left undone a thousand things you should have done. And you've done a thousand things you shouldn't have done. And I'm telling you what I experienced. I'm not reading your mind. I'm telling you what I experienced. My witness, the conscience, says, Glenn Cole, you've left a thousand things undone you should have done. And you've done a thousand things you shouldn't have done. Billy Graham said the greatest evangelist in the world is not Billy Graham, it's the conscience. And in this service today, all over this place, the evangelist speaks. The conscience witnesses of the charge. Sins of omission, sins of commission. Things done shouldn't have been done, things undone that should have been done. You know what I'm talking about. There is the witness. He takes the stand and he says, I swear before God that I will tell the truth and nothing but the truth. And the conscience says, you need a propitiation. You need an advocate. And then there's the angels of God. We don't often think about them as the emissaries of God witnessing, but they are. The, the angel says, I've been a messenger to this person. I've guarded this person. I've defended this person. Oftentimes when he knew it not, I led him into the green pastures and beside the still waters. When bad spirits came upon him to destroy him, I fought them back. Yet even after all of this, they would not recognize me. I must announce his imperfections as an angel dispatched to guide and guard and keep. They have not followed what I even have desired and set forth in their life. And the angel of God stands to witness against us. You know, don't you, that at birth, God dispatches an angel to each person? God sends his angels to keep charge over us. What do you think when you stand before God and you say, nobody knows the difference? An angel steps up and says, Father, this is the person you assigned me to, and I want to be a witness. Oh, my, my, my. You mean you've been around all the time, everywhere, at all times, in all, I was there. Do you mean when I, yeah, I was there. You mean, yeah, I was there. I'd been there all the time, and the angel of God stands up as a witness. 
never thought about it, did you? And what about the Holy Spirit? The third witness, if we need a third, by now I think we would be so exposed that there wouldn't need to be a third, but the third witness, the Holy Spirit says, I've striven with him 10,000 times, and though sometimes he did repent, he fell back again. Many times he grieved me, although the Bible warned him to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I read that when I was a young man, and I said, Lord, how could I grieve the Holy Spirit? And he told me I could grieve the Holy Spirit by not worshiping when I had the opportunity to worship. By being critical of God's servants and God's church, I could grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By bearing a spirit of resentment over others, I could grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and I determined that I would not ever consciously grieve the Holy Spirit of God in my life. I don't want him to witness against me on that day. Well, conscience, the angel, the Holy Spirit, there they are. The prosecution reads the law, the soul that sinneth it shall die. Hell says, let the law be carried out, let judgment be passed. It looks dark, doesn't it? We have not gotten by, really, now that we see who the witnesses are. The record is there, but the judge says before sentence is passed, is there anyone who will volunteer to take this man's case and defend him? One rises. He's a young man, 33 years of age. His countenance is besmirched with tears and covered with blood. The galleries come alive with excitement. And through the courtroom rings a word from 1 John. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And don't leave out the next two words, the righteous, the holy one, the one who's never sinned. This 33-year-old man stands in the courtroom. And he moves forward to stand before the judge. The case begins to look better. Interestingly enough, he seems to know all the law, though he's not a lawyer. He seems to know all there is to know about the charges and about what the law says regarding those charges. There's not a thing he does not seem to know. He knows all of its demands. He seems to know all of its penalties. And guess what? He says humbly with his head bowed, Your Honor, I want to defend this person, and I want you to know that I've never lost a case in this whole world. I've never lost one. <laughs> wow. I'd like a lawyer like that at any point, wouldn't you? an advocate who's never lost a case. And then this advocate says something very strangely. He says, I admit all that has been proved against my client. I admit all these sins and more. He's done them all. You're right, judge. But will you please look at my hands and 
you will, look at my side and look at my feet and my head. And he stands there as a lamb, slain, wounded from head to toe. And he says, by all these wounds, I plead the release of the defendant. By the humiliation of Bethlehem, by the sweat of Gethsemane, by the sufferings of the cross, I demand that the defendant go free. Because you see, Your Honor, I am the ransom. I am the propitiation for sin. I am the go-between. And by the authority of these wounds and these scars, I demand that the prisoner go free. The judge has never heard anything like this before. He meets privately with the jury for the verdict. The counsel on both sides have spoken. Hell had its representative. Punishment. Fulfill the law. We demand a sentence deserving of the crime. Finally, the judge comes into the courtroom, pounds his gavel, silence reigns, and here is the verdict. And it's right out of the book. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. The table is spread. The judge just simply reads one of the lines out of the book. There is therefore now no condemnation because this defendant is in Christ Jesus. All that he's ever done is covered by those wounds. All that he's ever thought is covered by those sacrifices that have been made already by the blood that was shed and the flesh that was peeled from his body, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Paderewski, the great pianist, had a friend who had a little girl. When Paderewski was visiting this family, the parents so wanted the little girl to play for the great maestro, and so he said, I would like to hear her play. And because of the presence of Paderewski, the little girl was very, very nervous, and she really messed up. She didn't play it right at all, and she broke down in tears sitting at the piano, embarrassed because of the presence of this great artist. It was at that that Paderewski rose from his chair, went over and bent down, and planted a kiss on the forehead of that beautiful little girl. And the thought came to me, if she had never blown it, she would never have known the master's kiss. And in that, I am helped. Today, God has led us to spread the table. We are embarrassed by our sins, 
our failures, our shortcomings. We are embarrassed by things we promised we would do and never did. We are embarrassed by things we said we would never do and have done. But today the table is spread and the master has an opportunity to bend over and kiss us and say, it's all right, I understand. And these wounds and this dried blood that covers me is a sign that by your coming you're forgiven and I want you to go forth and live for me forever. Thank God for an advocate. Thank God for a table that is spread. Friends, if you don't come today because of guilt, conscience, whatever, may I remind you that there's coming a day of trial in which the sinner must appear. You can't get away from it. It will come suddenly. The farmer will be at the plow, the financier in his bank, the clerk at her sales counter, the secretary at the desk, the drunkard over his liquor, the blasphemer with the oath caught between his teeth, the adulterer and the adulteress caught in the very act, the thief taking the spoil. But suddenly, night will come at mid-noon, a wave of darkness rolls over the earth, the earth shudders and throbs, stars shoot out of the heavens and fall to the earth. The Almighty rises from his throne and he declares that time shall be no longer. Oh, that day, it's coming. And the question of this Sunday service is, will you be ready? You've seen how the Christian will get off in his trial. Will you get off as well? Will Christ plead on your side? What would any of us do if our conscience is against us, if the angels are against us and the Holy Spirit is against us and the Lord God Almighty himself is against us? What will we do in that day? I would rather seek an advocate this day and remember him till he comes than to stand on that day with no table, with no symbolism, with no bread and no cup and no substitute and no lawyer, I would rather come today and take the communion and thank God for a cleansing and a covering in my life that will do me until I come to the table again. Hallelujah. The table is spread, neighbor. There's a chance for you today to get strong in God. If you will take advantage of it, we will remember. We will show his death till he come. The body and blood of the Lord will be given today for our strength, our sustenance, our healing. I challenge you not to divorce yourself from the opportunity to be the person God intended you to be and stand before him someday exonerated According to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. My little children, I write to you that you may not sin, and if anyone sins, if it should happen, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. It's enough. 
from everybody clear up in the corner of these balconies, all across this main floor and up here on this platform, there is enough for all of us as we spread the table today. What will it be like in your heart? Let's bow our heads together, please. Thank you, Jesus. How long shall you harden and stiffen your neck as your fathers did before you? Today is the day of salvation. Now, don't let anybody be nervous in this service. This is all of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, friends, this whole service, the singing of the choir, my tribute, the singing that you did, what can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Marie's song about the power of the blood and the message has led up to this very moment. We have had three utterances of gifts, and Paul said, let there be two at the most three. We've had the limit. God has used the very limit to speak to us Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation thereof, according to 1 Corinthians 12, it's all in order. And the next thing that is in order is for you to run to this altar. And the Holy Spirit of God is in this place as powerfully as I've ever felt Him. And God wants you to get up. Those of you are hiding in your sin, God wants you to get up right now. Don't hesitate another moment. Get to your feet and get into an aisle and get down here to this altar right now. Christian, non-Christian, Church member, non-church member, come on. God's saying, get down here. There's a table spread. Come on down. I want you to bow your knee right here at this altar. Just get down before God. 
Yes, Jesus is here. Come with a broken heart. Yes, God bless you. Come from wherever you're sitting. Get up. People will not mind letting you through. Come. The table is spread. The altar.